1: over and back classic nba podcast i am jason and with me is usual as usual is rich hello rich
0: hey what's going on
1: well uh unfortunately we've got some sad news in the nba world as uh mark eaton who was the shot blocking expert and defensive legend for the 1980s and early 90s utah jazz unfortunately has passed away at the age of 64
0: yeah, and, and he's a guy that we we've talked a lot of, uh, on the show. And there's quite a few episodes you can go back and and, and find where we've discussed Mark Eaton a little a little bit. Uh, certain ones like the you know, longest tenures with the team. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure we touched on him there. Uh, anytime we really talk about you know defense in the '80s, he's a guy that definitely comes up. But uh, yeah, we've never done like a full show kind of breaking him down, and and we're not going to do this. Is not going to be a normal kind of hour long in depth you know research uh, show. But we thought it was at least worth you know diving in a little bit to Mark Eaton's career. Uh, what he did and because and there probably are a lot of people listening that either you know only slightly know about Mark Eaton or maybe not don't know the entire story because it's an incredible story how he even got to the NBA how he even played a minute in the NBA is an incredible story let alone then what he did when he was actually in the NBA so uh, it's a story that's definitely worth uh, w- worth telling.
1: Yeah and I mean just if you break down um, the basics of his resume you know he was um all-star in 1989 he Four times led the NBA in block shots, uh, five times on the all defensive team, three times on the all defensive first team, and a two time defensive player in the year. So, definitely, you know, among the greatest defensive big men in all time. And you know, to be an all star when you didn't, you know, he was not a guy who contributed much, um, on offense, at least, you know, box score stats wise, um, you know, six points per game was his average even rebounding um you know eight rebounds per game which you know i mean um are are fine numbers but aren't exactly stout you know i mean he's definitely wasn't a guy you're going to give the ball and clear things out and you know and, and expect to win the game for you but um to to be a you know a, a positive contributor to be you know a guy who was um you know, an all-star, despite really just being, um, you know, on one side of the ball. It's really special to be that so, so good at defense that you can still um, impact your team that much in winning and just be, you know, a, a strong defensive player and not really do, do much on offense. There's a you know, very limited number of guys who really can uh, – you know, be such a defensive force that you you know impact the game on that level.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you look at you look at that All Star game that nineteen eighty nine All Star game. And it's actually interesting because three Utah Jazz uh, are in it, which is uh, first time ever in that uh, franchise history with Stockton, Malone, uh, and Mark Eaton. But yeah, you look at like the kind of the bigger you, you know names uh, on here. So you got Stockton, Alex English, Karl Malone, Dale Ellis, Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, James Worthy, Tom Chambers, Chris Mullen, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, Kevin Duckworth, and then Mark Eaton. So like a lot of those other guys are like you know. The, the best offensive players in the league, or the best kind of all around players in the league, and then there's Mark Eaton there, who was just, as you said, was excelled at one aspect of it and the least sexy aspect of basketball in, in any era. Trust us, it, you know, sure. it's not just yeah. this era that it's not sexy. It, it right. never in the history of the NBA has like you know, guy who scores eight points but really clamps things down down low is never like the most exciting player ever. So right. um, I, yeah, yeah, it's something to be said.
1: Right, Rich. I think there were like. You know, four months in two thousand and three, where that was the case. But yeah, I mean, right, I mean, <laughs> the Ben Wallace
0: era. That, yeah, there was a yeah. brief, brief right. Ben Wallace there's, era, where you know, hey, it was a like,
1: teeny tiny little. But yes, <laughs> it was dry, very yes.
0: very short. Yes, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah Mark Eaton, not a, not a not a sexy player, not a highlight reel type player. But um, you know, yeah, and definitely, obviously, incredibly notable because you know he was seven foot four. Uh, he was he was a huge huge man, and um, at the time he was considered and you know height is a little bit um, variable uh, but he was considered the tallest player um, in NBA history when he debuted in, in 1982 83 season mm-hmm. um, and yeah there there have been some since but um, but yeah he was the tallest player at the time and we'll get into more so about that as well but um, you know, going back to some of the uh, the, the stats that he really stood out one and block shots is obviously one and his career 3.5 blocks per game still an nba record uh you know despite having you know relatively short career you know 10 11 seasons um fifth all time in total blocks and you know only been tracked to the 74 so there's guys you know who like bill russell obviously would be on there but still you know that's a that's a big chunk of nba history and he's still fifth in total blocks despite that um in the '85 uh, season, he averaged 5.6 blocks per game, which is also an uh, NBA record. So
0: insane! just absolutely insane, right? right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. At some point, you'd think people would just stop trying. I guess right. 5.6 blocks per game—that's insane. That's yeah. Nuts.
1: right? And uh, you know, a quarter of all of the uh, 300 total block seasons in NBA history Curdy Christian he, Market—he's like the uh, the Steph Curry of block shots. You yes,
0: know? <laughs> right, right,
1: <laughs> right. Um. I think we have our title of our episode, Um, but uh, yeah, he played played, uh, all 11 years of his career with the Jazz. And yeah, you look at just, you know, this is a little bit crude, but just the way of maybe illustrating his his defensive impact. So 1982, the year before he joined, the, the Jazz were 20th out of 23 teams in a defensive rating. Um, In 83 and 84, they're 12th, but he only plays 19 minutes per game one year and 26 minutes per game the next year. And then in 85, which is the year that he has 5.6 spots per game, they're first in defensive rating. And that, that, you know, basically this season through 1990, he basically has a full-time role, you know, heavy minutes, you know, mid thirties. So in 85, they're first and 86, they're third and 87, 88 and 89, they're first. 1990 they dropped a fifth, and that's when he starts to, you know, he's 33 at that point. Um, and he starts to play fewer minutes. Uh 91, they're sixth, ninety-two, they're seventh. In his final year, he's only playing 17 minutes per game, they're 13th. So, you know, when he when he's in there, when he's, you know, having the heavy minutes, um, they're always a, you know, a great defensive team. Now, you know, it wasn't just him, but um, you know, they were a great defensive team with a um you know, you're, you're, they were, you know, I mean they were still a really good team obviously later on in the 90s but they were never that stout of a defensive team um you know they're always hovering around like eighth or ninth in the league even in the um you know the the years that they're making finals do they were 17th <clears> year. They, made, they made the finals in 98 so um they were more of an offensive uh, efficient team during those late 90s um period mm-hmm. and that they were you know um yeah, as, as we said, extremely strong defensive team, um, you know, in the late 80s and early 90s.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, other other stuff about Mark Eaton uh, as well. Career defensive box plus minus uh, two point nine, which still is third ever behind uh, David Robinson and Nate McMillan. Uh, Draymond Green is catching up pretty quickly. So we'll see where where Draymond's career goes. Uh, but as of right now, Mark Eaton's still third uh, all time there. And as you said, when he entered the league, he is the tallest player ever, according to. Uh, how measurements went, and again, like you said, it's a little crew. There's probably some guys that were probably over seven foot four, but he was. You know, if you go to Basketball Reference and you sort by, that, he is the first ever guy seven four plus uh, to ever be there. And obviously, there there are a number of notable seven footers in NBA history: Wilt, Kareem, uh, Artis Gilmore, Robert Parish, uh, you, you know, among them. But uh, yeah, for for you know Mark Eaton, that really a, 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 a huge accomplishment. Uh, as well as uh, we shouldn't then mention Chuck Nevitt also joined the league at the same time and was also listed. Uh, at seven foot four so kind of the the, the big moment for him and then obviously there's been many many other guys since then ralph Sampson would come a few later years later um manute bull rick smith obviously sean bradley at 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 seven six comes in in the 90s george Mirisan at seven seven uh then you get yao ming uh obviously in the in the the 2000s and and this year you know just you know currently in the nba right now boban uh marjanovic and taco fall both listed above seven foot four but uh yeah for whatever it's worth mark eaton Officially declared the the tallest player to ever enter the NBA when he did uh, do it. So hey, you know that's still a pretty big accomplishment. And he was a, I mean, uh, you know. The league is huge now, and and the league is 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 always you know been dominant. There's always been seven footers, there's always been tall men, but uh, you ever watch clips of like 80s basketball with Mark Eaton? I mean, he is just so tall out there. It's insane to watch him. And like I don't know for some reason, like maybe now because like you know point guards are like six six, and you know everybody's you know six foot seven with gigantic arms and and crazy length. But yeah, you watch some of those clips in the 80s, and you're like, oh my god, that guy's just a different type of human being compared to some of the other guys on the court. So um, sure, yeah, it it. it it really is remarkable when you see him he does stand out definitely in that era
1: yeah and actually if you look at the guys um you know who are seven four or taller in nba history um he, he played the most games 875 rick smiths played 867 sean bradley played 832 and no one else played more than you know um, 624 is next um and then when you look at this list of guys i mean you're looking at you know, Markey, mark eaton obviously number one but you know the others rick Smith, sean bradley manu bowl yao ming raf Sampson, george mirasan you know boban chuck nevitt you know, a few other guys um mark eaton had incredible durability yeah i mean he um you know the first 10 seasons of his career the lowest um game total he played was 79 um you know he played 82 games uh you know five different times and you know he was incredibly durable up until his last season he only played 64 games but every other season he played at least 79 so to be that size and to you know avoid the injury um issues that you know basically every single guy on the all you know the vast majority of um you know seven plus foot plus guys who play in the league you know a lot of them deal with injury problems the taller they get but Eaton, you know was somehow uh able to avoid that which is obviously really cool
0: yeah and 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 what's interesting and i guess it kind of ties into you know the story of him even getting into the nba is you know largely you can you can maybe chalk up like his body starting to starting to break down in his later years due to the fact that he was you know way older than you think he was you know he did 11 years in the nba but he doesn't start until he's you know 26 27 right Uh, and, and that's kind of how his story you know gets started here so he's born in inglewood california he grows up in southern california Uh, Not very interested in playing basketball at all More interested in playing water polo Which I He's probably a pretty exceptional water polo player I'd say with that size He could probably touch the bottom of the pool Without even You know what I mean? Like I I I, I don't know too much of the technique of water polo, but I would imagine being seven foot four probably helps. I think. I don't know. Sure. I, uh, yeah, yeah but, uh, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, uh, his senior year of high school, he's 6'11, but completely uncoordinated, has no idea what to do in his body, uh, and he barely plays on the team uh, as well. And there's a quote in a New York Times article from 1984 uh, that says, You know, I was 6'11 when I graduated, and I can't say I was the most coordinated player. I also think the coach had a lack of knowledge about what to do with me. So, uh, I mean. <laughs> Even if he's a I think I have an idea of what to do with a successful <laughs> right. guy in high school basketball, yeah, right? Like, maybe. I mean, I don't think you have to overthink it. I think you just give him the ball and he's tall. He's like a foot taller than everybody else. Like, I feel like yeah, I, I, I I don't think it's that hard. I, I don't know. That's, give, that's... Him,
1: give him the call close to the basket. Maybe let him Yeah, I, I feel I, like I have some ideas of what I could do. I mean, I, I know that the slam duck is obviously, you know, a, a horrible thing that ne- no one should ever do in high school or college. Um, You know, because it's just definitely, you know, like an obscenity to the game. So, I mean, I'm sure that's what the coach was thinking. No, you can't let somebody slam dunk. I mean, that would be completely wrong.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know. I've I've, got some ideas, but I guess whatever. Anyway, All right. So after graduating high school, he attends the Arizona Automotive Institute in Phoenix. Graduates as a service technician. Uh, interestingly, he was working as an auto mechanic, which just sounds also incredible. Is that yeah. you pull up with your freaking, uh, I'm trying to think of a, the most, what's the most 90s yeah. or, or most 70s car you can think of? Like your Pinto. And it's yeah. just like, you know, here comes yeah. Mark Eaton wiping sweat off with his, you know, oil rag going, all right, what do we got here? And you're like, oh my God. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, this man's yeah. huge. So uh, anyway, he's a venture uh, discovered by Cypress College coach, Tom Lubin. And Tom Lubin is actually famous as well right. uh, for discovering Sven Nader. As well. So this guy just, this guy just bumps into seven footers. It goes like I've never met a seven foot player in my like person in my entire life, like other than at an NBA game. I don't know where this guy goes, where he's just like, hey, you're seven foot tall, you want to play basketball? They're like, I guess, yeah, whatever,
1: yeah, sure, <laughs> like, well, yeah.
0: Wow. (laughs) Good for him, yeah. Yeah,
1: he's got a gift
0: right there. He does, yeah. yeah, That man could find seven-footers. But yeah, he's he's getting his car repaired in Anaheim, and Mark Eaton's repairing it. And he goes, you're tall. You should try to play basketball. And Mark Eaton goes, I don't really want to play basketball. And he goes, ah, come on, do it. And uh, Eaton eventually decides to enroll at Cypress College. Uh, and try out for the team. Uh, so he enrolls there. He works at the tire shop during the day. He's not giving up that job though. You know what sure, I mean? You no. the job and the benefits. Yeah. You're
1: not giving that up that for... tire shop. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. gonna that's gonna take you far. Yeah. Right.
0: Who's gonna replace? Who's gonna take his hours over? Nobody. So right. Uh, so he's he's, he's working at the tire shop during the day, playing ball, and going to classes at night. Uh, eventually, he starts selling cars. Dotsons, he starts selling. Oh, yeah. So that's a very nice a 70s car there, is yeah. what he starts doing. But uh, then uh, things go pretty well at Cypress. They uh, win a lot of games because Mark Eaton is very tall. Again, they, this coach seemed to figure out what to do with this guy. Sure. Yeah. Uh, figure out. And, and, and Eaton, more than anything, starts to learn the game uh, as well. So UCLA comes calling. Uh, he enrolls there at age 24 for the 1981 season under head coach Larry Brown. Yes, that Larry Brown. Uh, Eaton averages only 2.1 points per game and 2.6 rebounds per game. He plays only 8.2 minutes per game. Uh, Larry Brown also can't exactly unlock this guy or kind of quite figure out exactly what it, what's happening with him. But he is still, you know, he's playing decent enough minutes and and, and is playing a little bit on the team. But now, Jason, are you, are you sitting down?
1: Uh, I am sitting down. So I have some shocking
0: okay. news for oh, you all right. right now. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I'm ready. Larry Brown, mm-hmm. who was the UCLA coach,
1: right? Yeah, UCLA, Okay. Yeah. yeah I'm yep. Left
0: the team after okay. this year to go to another job.
1: Huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> that does not sound like Larry Brown. No, a guy that's yeah.
0: usually pretty reliable and likes to stay in one place for a very long amount of time. Sure. That Larry Brown decided he was going to go coach the New Jersey Nets, and he oh. would do that uh, until 1983. When again unbelievably wow. he would leave the new jersey nets to go to the university of kansas so where wow. i assume he retired and that's the end of the larry brown story sure I think. yeah
1: yeah, <laughs> it makes sense. yeah. Well, that's,
0: a, that's the last time i remember hearing about larry brown i don't remember anything else after that we'll
1: get the fact checkers the, on that and make sure but yeah
0: but uh yeah so right. so really really unbelievable here that larry brown leaves so A new coach comes in, Larry Farmer, and uh, he Ah, doesn't see much value in Eaton at all, and he plays even less, and he graduates, and that's kind of going to be it for Eaton, at least he thinks in America. He had been drafted in the fifth round of the 1979 NBA draft, though, before he even enrolled at UCLA uh, by the Phoenix Suns, but he doesn't even report. So Lubin and Eaton start saying, uh, you know, start trying to sell him to other teams. Lubin says, no, 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 you can, you can play for teams, you can play in this league. I'm gonna try to figure out what we're gonna do. So he makes a call to Frank Layton, who's uh, the, uh, the the GM, I think at this time of the Utah Jazz, eventually become the coach of the Utah Jazz uh, prior to Jerry Sloan, and and you know he invites Eaton for summer league and some camps and stuff, and he says, yeah, you know, I think we got something with this guy. So he signs him. Uh, Eaton has offers in Europe as well, but he signs him to try to keep him. Uh, from playing in Europe and keep him for the Utah Jazz. And, well, it was a great idea because Frank Layden, the Utah Jazz, everybody kind of figured it out because Eaton makes an immediate impact, as we we talked about. Uh, He replaces uh, Danny Shays as Utah's starting center, finishes with 275 block shots in that first year. Uh, That is a franchise record, 3.4 blocks per game. He ranks third in the NBA uh, behind Tree Rollins. And uh, Bill Walton. So uh, good company to keep uh, your first yeah. year in the NBA for a guy who was about yeah. to, you know, basically not play anymore or go over to Europe to play or whatever. Uh, and then more importantly, by his sophomore year, you know, he grows into the one, one of the NBA's best defenders, as you talked about a little bit. Helps Utah uh, get to become a tremendous defensive team. And more importantly than anything, uh, Utah makes the playoffs for the first time in, in, in franchise history. Uh, and they would reach the playoffs in each of the next 19 years as well. So you can really, uh, you know, yeah, Stockton and Malone kept it alive. But Mark Eaton started it, baby. Adrian Dantley yeah, and Mark sure. Eaton started it. So yeah, show some man, respect he, to them, all right? Yeah,
1: Ricky Green. You yeah, know, yeah, you yeah. Know, Respect to Ricky Green, absolutely.
0: Yeah, You, you would think that uh, Mark Eaton would get more rebounds than Adrian Dantley on his team, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it seems just by the very nature of Dantley, you know, putting up 37 shots a game and, and making yeah. only, you know, 12 of them that, you know, you stumble into a few more rebounds here well, and there. but I, you
1: know. <laughs> The problem with Dantley wasn't that he missed shots; he actually made the high percentage shots. Is that he, he didn't let anybody else shoot? Yes, so, uh, <laughs>
0: right, yeah.
1: Right. I guess that that was more the problem. So maybe, maybe if he had missed more shots, that's he, true. He that's true. Yeah, was a little too that would have worked. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and and one highlight, I guess, uh, that he's always going to be a part of is, um, you know, he was defending Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he broke the NBA scoring record held by. A, Will Chamberlain scoring his 31,421st uh, uh, point. So uh, failing to block the Skyhook.
0: Yeah, uh, one block yeah. he couldn't make. One block yeah. he couldn't make. Uh, yeah, be, yeah, yeah. Cool. You got 500 blocks in a season. You didn't block Kareem, baby. So. Yeah, so
1: there you go. You bump.
0: Well, who, yeah. I mean, nobody can block the skyhook. I mean, that's—I uh, uh, mean, if thirty thousand of those points were uh, <laughs> right, <you know>, skyhook. <laughs> sky yeah, so it, it's that it's a little tricky. But uh, yeah. uh, anyway, yeah. that is not an accurate number, by the way. Do not report. I do not know what the exact number of of skyhook to point ratio for a. Uh, uh, a cream is, but anyway, by his uh, by Eaton's third season, 1985, uh, he is now spectacular. He has blocked 456 shots, shatters the NBA record for most block shots in a season. Elmore Smith had it, and he blocked 393 for the uh, 1974 uh, Los Angeles Lakers. Again, this is pr- you know the, the block had only been counted, uh, you know that season, and then then uh, you know I, I think what what year was it that they was it 74?
1: it was the first year they yeah they okay did, so it was yeah. 74 so yeah who knows
0: yep. i mean bill yep. russell i'm sure had many many more i'm sure Wilt right. had, had a lot right. as well but uh we, we don't right. know exactly so unfortunately it's, sure sure it's all we it, can all we can say is is what we know so yeah but uh, yeah, anyway yeah. uh eaton averages uh, 5.56 blocks per game more than double the league's second ranked shock blocker that season some bum named hakeem olajo only had 2.68 blocks per game that year so
1: yeah uh, but a bum, you know yeah um <laughs> Yeah. And then, um, you know, one one highlight of his career would be um, April 26th, 1985. He uh, blocked 10 shots in a 96 to 94 loss to the Rockets. He became the first NBA player to record 10 blocks in a playoff game. Later, the record was tied by Akeem Olajuwon, you know, the pre- aforementioned bum, and Andrew Bynum, you know, uh, Lakers legend to Andrew Bynum. Right?
0: I do so, not uh, remember that at all. No, I don't remember him.
1: What, was that before he closed line to JJ Barea? Uh,
0: I, yeah, I, 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 I would assume yes, but uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah there that's uh, what a what a what a I I I don't think it was for the Sixers. I can assure you that, Joe. I, I yes. do. I do not think that was for the uh, Philadelphia seventy sixers. Uh, no, the Bynum, no 76ers not, not, for the,
1: not for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Andrew Bynum, yeah. Oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Was there any more? Or did, did that end it? Was that the he last one?
1: The, the Bulls didn't
0: he? Oh God, did he?
1: i, I just, honestly don't remember <laughs> all, right,
0: all right i think he was involved in a bulls trade but i think it was one of the very one of the, the many bases. times the bulls acquired a player and just were like ah we don't right, like, like they right. did with the Matumbo.
1: <laughs> now we reason. need to look up um uh, now we need to look up andrew bynum
0: um it gets, bynum, it, it gets real glossy is. after that uh
1: yeah um Bynum who's 33 years old uh still not uh <laughs> okay um no, he did not yeah, I think okay, he, he was traded to the Bulls, then released by the Bulls, and then he played uh two games with the Pacers and then that the
0: was Pacers. Um, I do remember the Pacers era Andrew Bottom, yes. He
1: he never played for the Sixers. Um was he 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 was hurt right yeah he, he
0: signed with them and then he was hurt and then they you know, remember right. there was the pictures of him bowling and they're like hey i thought you tore your acl and he's like i did <laughs> he was part
1: of the dwight trade right yes
0: yes exactly all right
1: there we go okay well that's a little bit of a side there but we uh sometimes we just feel like we need to get to yeah the,
0: you know, well, we gotta we gotta then. set the record so. straight on on andrew bynum but uh yes
1: right uh, yeah. anyway
0: 1993 season uh for for eden so throughout the 80s as you mentioned there uh, you know t- tremendous defensive player helps utah really grow yeah uh, utah then obviously becomes one of the, the bigger franchise. a very very successful franchise in the Western conference with, you know, the inclusion of Mark uh, uh, Carl Malone and, and, and and John Stockton and, and and Jerry Sloan as the coach and become a consistent team and, and make some very deep runs. We've done shows about that too, about how like people think, Oh, 97, 98, the Utah jazz just kind of like started getting good. And it's like, no, there were many, many years where they just barely missed the finals or just barely missed the Western. I mean, they just couldn't get over the hump. Uh, They couldn't beat the Lakers. They couldn't quite get there. But I mean, there's many, many times, particularly in like 19, um, 1992, where we always talked about how you know the Blazers beat them, but really could have been a a, a you know a Bulls Jazz uh, NBA Finals with like a really really like two really really good teams as well, kind of in their peak powers, and it's a little unfortunate that it's until 1997 98 when they are a little bit less of a dynamic, a little bit slower of a team, and those guys are a little bit older. I mean, obviously they're still great, but, you know, 97 98, right. but sure. uh, yeah, so this wasn't a team that just decided in the mid 90s to get good. I mean, they had been good for for. A decade plus they just couldn't really get over the hump or they couldn't just quite make an nba finals run but but a really really good consistently consistently good team but uh for mark eaton you know he starts having knee surgeries and back problems and all that sort of stuff it limits him in only 64 games which is still i mean like for most guys that are seven foot four with you know back and knee problems they, they can't play they can't move he's still sure. playing 17 minutes a game he's still doing okay but you know stuff starts really kind of getting bad uh he has a back ailment uh, that forces him to drop out of training camp and miss the entire 1994 season. Uh, then in September 1994, he finally decides, okay, this is this is done, and announces his retirement from basketball. And uh, it did not take long; the Utah Jazz retire Eaton's number 53 during the 1996 regular season. So it speaks to just how important he was to that franchise, especially as you said, a guy that wasn't very dynamic, wasn't a really highlight real guy, averaged under 10 points per game. I mean one of the one of the first guys in this entire franchise. To get their their number retired, and that that definitely means a lot, and it definitely speaks to his impact for sure.
1: Yeah, I wonder um, he might have been the first uh, Jazz to get retired. I don't know when. Darryl I'm Griffiths trying to retired. think of who. I... <sighs> yeah, you're right. Daryl Griffith would have been the other one. Um, mm-hmm. no, I'm not sure when exactly he was uh, retired, but uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's sort of interesting. Uh, probably Griffith was first. He, re- he retired in 91. So um, anyway, not not uh, not necessarily uh interesting aside there. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, like we said, he was definitely, um, you know, a really important player in their history, Utah Jazz history. Obviously, you know, it helped turn them around defensively, helped, uh, you know, uh, teams that, you know, suddenly became, you know, really good, respectable playoff teams and, you know, helped transition into the, you know, the Stockton Malone era as they really, you know, took over the picture um, in the late 90s. And, um, yeah, going back to that um, 85 series, um, you know the the jazz upset the um the rockets you know that was the that was the first uh playoff run for the um for the twin towers for ajuana zampson and uh the jazz beat them in the first round uh you know that was that was a pretty you know solid upset at the time um you know i think people kept, were expecting the rockets to really uh take off and um you know be incredible and they you know they kind of stopped in this tracks so they were the kind of the cinderella story there they, they lose in the next round to the nuggets but you know that was uh that was really their first that was the first time they made the playoffs. That was the you know the 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 first time that team had any sort of um of success. And obviously he played a role in um, shutting down the Twin Towers. So it's a good times.
0: Yeah, which was no, I mean, again, as we're saying there, Ralph Sampson, also another guy, you know, seven foot four right. uh, and above. And and yes, you know, it seems a little wild, you know, these days as you're watching the NBA to be like, oh, that's not going to work too, you know, seven foot giants. But uh, at that yeah. time, I mean, that was the team. It was just like, oh, my God, who's going to stop these guys? They're, they're just they're both big and they're both, you know, really, really good. And obviously, as you said, Ralph Sampson could never quite get the health aspect uh, uh, down and, and you know, never quite got the strength and the, and the speed of the game. Uh, down all that well, and Hakeem would obviously emerge as, as the top guy of that team, but yeah, that was a big team, and they, they works out. they were really, really good uh, for a little bit, and, and yeah, the Jazz really just kind of outworked them, and I and just beat them in that yeah. series, and yeah, there's a, lot right. of, there's a lot of really fun Jazz, it, it always, it stinks, I really wish they made like a, a, what, like at least an NBA Finals run sometime in the late 80s, or sometime or in the early 90s, because yeah, they are kind of a forgotten team to history, but they're so good, and so fun, and, and, and you go back and watch highlights of those teams, I mean, they are dynamic, and it's like Utah, I mean, they, they, they really captured that city the city just absolutely loves them they're a new unique team and there's just a lot to love about that that late 80s uh utah jazz team or that mid it to late 80s utah jazz team it just yeah it stinks that they're a little lost history just because they never made that you know that finals run or that that, that memorable uh run through the playoffs
1: yeah the um, the 85 jazz had quite the um big man tandem of uh, Mark Eaton, uh, Rich Kelly, and uh, the Whopper,
0: Billy Paltz. Uh, uh, yeah. Billy
1: Paltz got in a fight with Olajuwon in that series. So, uh, well, I,
0: actually, he just got knocked out. I was by say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a it's bit really... one-sided, yeah, but a, a fight got... nonetheless. I, I think you got that. If you, st- right. Yeah, if you just get punched, does that count as a fight? Like, if
1: <laughs> I, I don't know if, I, okay. uh, if I'm qualified to answer that question. Yeah, I've never been. Yeah. I don't
0: think I've ever actually been in a fight. So No, um...
1: not, yeah, so. Not to next time we'll, I see
0: you, I'm gonna deck you and then we'll see. We'll all right, I we'll, appreciate we'll that. Then,
1: Leave it to the experts
0: we'll <laughs> and then we'll, we'll say, Hey, um, I would never do that. Are you kidding?
1: Yeah, yeah you're, you're afraid, obviously.
0: <laughs> yeah, of you decking me. Yeah, no, now I'm yeah, gonna have right. to because yeah. I'm worried about yeah. you doing it, it
1: You never know. Yeah, oh man, that's really gonna affect your friendship. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, definitely. This is uh, yeah, good stuff here. Yeah, we just want to touch on um, you know, his career a little bit, his uh, you know the highlights because he was a memorable player um you know seemed like a good guy who was you know doing a lot of um you know good community stuff and uh definitely i'm sure um he will be missed by uh you know his loved ones and by uh the, the utah jazz fan base
0: absolutely yeah it'll be it'll be cool to see uh i did not watch i didn't watch the because utah i think as of this recording they played last night i didn't see if they did anything uh during that game but i'll, I'll try to check it out sure, see. sure. i'm sure they did and, and and probably played a video or something like that but uh yeah yeah, yeah it, it'd be cool yeah hopefully um Hopefully that yeah, people at least, I mean, it, 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 it's worth it to check out. Just type in Mark Eaton on YouTube and, and, and watch some highlights if you can. There are, even though we said he's not like a sexy highlight guy, there are some pretty sexy <laughs> Mark Eaton right. highlights. Including yeah. the best is Rex Chapman getting blocked while Mark Eaton doesn't jump. <laughs> just Rex Chapman just goes up for a layup. Mark there Eaton throws his hand in the air and just grabs the ball out of the other guy's hand and just goes, oh, all right, here you go. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I got your yeah. ball. <laughs> it's it's, right, Rex. Yep, it's, it's incredible. It's just yep. like. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. They're not the sexiest highlights, but I I, I like some of them. I I do enjoy watching some of the highlights. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Fair point. Yep. So, all right, guys. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. You can find us um, on Twitter and Facebook at Over and Back NBA. And uh, also check us out, whatever podcast platform you are listening on. uh, Listening to us on get those words uh, correct in order uh yeah uh, leave us a rating or a review we would love to um, you know it helps the show we, we lo- lo- love the feedback uh and uh you know check, check us out at the step back at uh, fansite.com lots of great uh, NBA content there so thanks for listening we're back again soon